Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Welcome back to our veteran story right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My guest is Chris, Chris Greenfield. He is a veteran of 14 years, but he had a redirect. He came back and he studied and he went and did marketing and he still does a little marketing. And then he discovered something else, something called clean coffee, which we all need. I've got my mug right here. I couldn't get through the day without a good bodum of coffee every Every morning is my fuel to get me started, so I know how important it is. But let's take his journey. Coming back as a veteran, um, it's always a readjustment. You're a different person when you come back, and there are some obstacles sometimes in the way, some challenges. And it's navigating your path forward of where you want to go uh, in this really new persona that you are now. So we're going to discover and unravel Chris's journey into what he's doing now and, um, and see what we can learn from it. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great here. I'm doing great. As I said, I've got my mug of coffee. <laughs> it's very important to me. A lot of people, or, oh, give up coffee. No. <laughs> or I guess, it's, I guess it's morning there where you're at. In, I am. In I'm 11 o'clock, so it's uh, not too far behind. You know, the, the noon hour is catching up with us here. Um, and I'm in BC, sunny BC. Where are you? I'm in Texas. I'm in Houston, Texas. Uh, so you must be hot where you are right now. As long as I don't have to go outside, I'm fine. Yes, <laughs> yes. We're, we're going to reach 25 today, and believe me, that's hot for us, <laughs> and certainly hot for me, so I can't take your temperatures over there. Yeah, and I don't know what it converts over to Celsius, but it, it should be probably mid-90, it's probably 93, 94 outside with a, a 80% humidity, so it's pretty... Yeah, I don't mind that 90. It's the humidity. You can keep that. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> but it's partly good for growing coffee. I'm not sure. But we'll get into that. We're, <laughs> we're still a little too far north for coffee growing. We are? Okay, good, good. All right. So there's other things that are grown there. So where did you go as a veteran? What did you do? Tell us a little bit about your veteran, uh, you know, your warrior journey there so we can get a little background. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I joined the military in January of 2000 before, you know, before we entered the, the global war on terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent almost 14 years. It was like 13 years, 10 months and six days or something. Uh, How many minutes? <laughs> I don't know that one. Uh, but I, I spent a lot of time in uh, active duty army. I was, a, I was actually a food service specialist for my first enlistment for about three years. Switched over to infantry after my first tour in Iraq. And then I spent the rest of my time in the service as a, either as an infantry team leader or infantry squad leader, uh, later moved up to a section sergeant in a, a mechanized infantry platoon, and then went on to become a drill sergeant at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. So training basic trainees that were coming into the military, adapting them from the civilian life to the military life. And went from there, my last year, active duty I spent as a platoon sergeant basically taking the kids that I say kids but taking the the recruits who had been injured permanently or or 
you know, not necessarily permanently, but severely enough that they were having to be separated from service. Mm -hmm. And so that last year on the trail, I really focused in on what I had to do to get out because I knew I was getting out already at that point. I was able to uh, shift gears from the training mindset to really taking care of them and ensuring that they had all of what they needed when they got out, the, the education benefits, whether they were actually going to get a uh, disability check or a lump sum payment, making sure they were taken care of health-wise, school-wise, you know, that whole deal that, that carries over as an NCO when you are taking care of your soldiers. Uh, 2013, I got out. I, before I was even totally out, I was already enrolled in college classes. Mm -hmm. So I was out of the military. I was still active duty, but I was on my terminal leave uh, and started school. You know, I finished my college degree. I got my bachelor's in a little under three years. Mm -hmm. I was able to take a lot of classes in person, take a lot of classes in line, online, and kind of started my journey to become a history teacher. That's what I was going to school for. And that didn't work out. <laughs> now, what was it about history that didn't grab you in the end? Oh, I love history. I, I absolutely love history. I'm a huge history buff. Um, but the last year we had some issues with childcare and I had to switch uh, degree plans. And instead of getting my education certificate to become a teacher, I ended up just picking up a, a secondary minor in geography and finishing off school still with, you know, on the, on the Dean's list. But the, I had to make the adjustment due to, I mean, we had a little baby. Right. We had a, a two-year-old almost at that point in time and another one on the way. Can't remember. Uh, let's see. Had another one either on the way or didn't know she was on the way yet when I got right. <laughs> um, But that shift continued to move to where I was, I was instructing at a local gun range because I have an extensive firearms background and extensive training background. And I started moving into social media and marketing at the, at the range I was at and stuff continued to shift. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm kind of, I'm not here, but there's a lot of, a lot of details on the way that I'm kind of glossing over that. If you want to uh, hear more about, just let me know. Well, I love how people get the redirects. You know, we come out with, I'm going to do this. And then along the way, there's a little, you know, two-step going on. And it's like, no, you're not. You know, you're going to go and do this. And uh, it's not something we had planned for ourselves. But very often, it's where we're meant to be, you know, at that time and place uh, in doing what we're meant to be doing. And if we're not flexible, you know, we're going to be detrimental to our own growth. And I would imagine you know, uh, being on the front lines, training people, uh, even afterwards, helping people re-navigate a new life, you know, with, with some form of disability or, or challenge, um, that you have got to learn how to maneuver very, very quickly in your thoughts, in your emotions, and in your actions. Because if not, you kind of get left behind, don't you? Definitely. I don't know what I'd do without YouTube. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of stuff I've learned in the in the past four or five years after I've gotten out has been, okay, how do I do this? How do I, how can I figure out how to do this? Is there a class I can take or is there a YouTube video I can watch on it there? My last year of school, I had to switch gears and 
get involved in what they call the VOC rehab program. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a different college program for veterans with disabilities. That way they get more of a financial aid boost. So they, they pay for your books all out. There's some other benefits to it, but that was a whole program. It's like, okay, how do I apply for it? How do I find it? And the, the VA is not going to tell you step-by-step step how to do it. No. Um, but I was able to get into that program and then streamline that was approved the first meeting with them, which usually takes multiple meetings because I went through and I had all my, uh, I had all my paperwork. I had everything I needed. And then I turned around and shared that with half a dozen veterans that I knew yeah. needed that. I was like, Hey, go in there with this stack of paperwork, with all these printouts, with these resources, and you'll get approved for the first day. So I, I always, I'm still an NCO at heart. I mean, I, I yeah. took care of soldiers long enough to do that. So I'm always sharing that knowledge. And that's, that's exactly what happened in the position I was in. I needed to figure out how to post my classes online without having to go through the person who was doing it because that was taking too long. Right. And yes. so I figured it out myself. I was like, well, this isn't bad. And then that just grew and grew. And then in, I believe it was December of 2017. It's 2000, probably December 2017 or December 2018. Uh, we found out that my oldest daughter, who was then just turning three at the time, so I guess it was December 2017 when we found out. But we found out my daughter was on the spectrum; that she was, uh, she has autism, mm -hmm. and so that really shifted gears to mm -hmm. figure out, well, instead of sending her to where we were, she needed to be in a special program. And that special program only lasted so many hours a day. And so we had to shift gears onto what, instead of me having a career outside the house, now that I was out of college, it was me having a career inside the house. So I could get her to, you know, on the bus at 7.30 and off the bus at 11 and then to speech class at 12 and, and, and to continue on. And that's exactly what it was. It was a total redirect. And it basically- It, it did prepare you though. You know, because of your training, you know, you stepped into almost management. You know, you stepped into, um, into tutorial teaching you know you stepped into navigating for people so had you not had all of that you would have been probably rather inundated I've interviewed an awful lot of parents of autistic children and they're saying the lack for them at that time the lack of knowledge on autism and the, the lack of resources um, just completely and utterly daunted them and so, of course, they've become the resource. Had you not been working with veterans with challenges, had you not been even taking in the young people and preparing them for what was to come on the front lines, um, would, it have, would you have been prepared to deal with the redirect that you had to do with your daughter? You know, my wife was such an... I wouldn't even say that I was a resource. or My wife wasn't the resource. I was the resource to my wife because... Mm -hmm. When she looked at it, she started just, you know, soaking up all this knowledge, everything that we needed to do. We needed to do this. We had to do this. We had to do this. This was the goal of this program. And this was the goal of this program. And maybe not necessarily 
it stopped her mm-hmm. because there was so much information, but she definitely had, I'm always the one that says, Hey, stop and look at the sky. It's a yeah. pretty sunset. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm the guy who says, okay, we can do that. What do we have to do? Okay. We can do that. And even though we didn't know we could mm-hmm. do that or yes. what we needed to do, it was what we had to do. And I right. think the military definitely gave me an edge mm-hmm. on that being able, okay, that's the mission. Just yes. Tools we have on hand. Let's do it. Um, and <laughs> I can remember the first art. We have a really, really good uh, public school system here. And so as soon as she was three, she was able to get into what they call a PPCD program, which is, which is basically, um, preschool for kids with special needs Mm -hmm. and it's amazing program and two weeks before her birthday I got a phone call and it was the bus driver and the bus driver's like hey we can pick her up at 7 15 uh on Monday the 22nd it's like I didn't even know she was in the program yet And, (laughs) and so I'm gonna get emotional talking about it but it was it was such an amazing experience to be that level of care put towards my away. child. Yeah. And it was just like, what do you mean you'll pick her up at seven, <laughs> seven fifteen on I'm like and then I call my wife and my wife's freaking out, my baby's not getting on a bus. <laughs> you know? Uh, because we hadn't made it to that point yet. Right, and we didn't. Yeah. We we took her to school for a couple of weeks until we figured out, okay, hey, this is this works. We're going to, you know. It, the time frame works. We're able to get her there, and it, it was much easier to put her on the bus than it was to sit in a car line for forty five minutes. Exactly. So, yes. And well, it was it was you guys. I mean, she probably would have been perfectly alright on the bus. <laughs> it was you guys. And, <laughs> and, she, and she was fine. And up yeah. until you know recently, when when COVID hit, uh, about well last spring, so she had been going for about a year no more could I walk her out to the bus. She had to, she could walk out to the bus from the front door. Mm -hmm. I mean, the bus comes right up to the house, Mm -hmm. but no dad, no dad. I do it myself. Mm Bye. I love you. Close Mm -hmm. the door, dad. (laughs) Uh, And so it was just an amazing experience being enrolled in that program to where they, they, they cared so much for uh, my daughter and the whole entire program and the open communication. But being in the military led me to be like, okay, we can do this. We just, yeah. we have the tools. We can, we can yeah. do it. It's just another challenge in front of you that you've got to navigate through. Um, you know, the, the, the women that I've um, interviewed on autism, their children are now either graduated, you know, um, or have been uh, through college or, or are holding down jobs. And one of them has even written a book. And uh, you know, the thing is about autism today, you know, it used to be, institutionalize your child it's a form of schizophrenia basically throw them away and even as far as um, 18 20 years ago they were still doing that and in the last oh I would say 10 15 years the strides that have been made and they've been made by those pioneers they're saying no I'm not going to throw away my child what we have to understand about autistic children is that they are firing on on different systems uh, than we are they're they're not a lack of intelligence. They just use their intelligence in a different way. And they're generally more directional and more focused on what their gift is and what they can do. It's up to us to learn their language. 
and, it, and it, how to and communicate with them. It's so, so true. It's so true. She's just, she, you know, she's about a year, a year and a half behind on her speech. And that's the, her speech and her social would be the only things that would set it, set it off that, okay, you know, you kind of take, when, when people kind of meet her, when yeah. she's talking to them, you know, they're like, well, okay, she's, she's a little behind on her speech. And then some of the way she says stuff is a little off. And then you do have some, some of her social cues. She, she doesn't understand that not everybody would be friendly. She'll engage anyone with a conversation. And then if you're not, maybe if you're not talking in the pattern that she wants you mm-hmm. to go at, mm-hmm. she resorts to a really scripted uh, way of communication that is comfortable for her because she's like, okay, well, I don't know what you're saying or you're asking. So this is my dad. This is my Charlie. This is my mom. Mm-hmm. She'll, she'll start introducing us and then she'll resort back to that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but she is smart mm-hmm. as a whip. She in, she's a little engineer. Mm-hmm. She'll put toys together in ways yeah. to do stuff that I would like, okay, well, how did you come up with that? Or I'll, I'll go out of the room and she's, I'll come back in and she's built this whole entire tower with her she's yes. got these giant blocks yes. and she's engineered the stuff and she's got stuff set on top of it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course you thought of that. Yeah, of of course. course you thought yes. of that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a brilliant movie, which I wish I could remember the name of it right now. It's on Netflix. Uh, I think it's about Isabella. Um, um, the girl from Homeland, Clara Danes. Clara Danes plays her. It's a true life story um, of this girl with autism. Uh, but her mother sent her to school. And uh, she, she was really quite brilliant. And she went on to university, um, didn't work very well there, went into kind of a special school where they understood that she knew geometry, like she knew how things worked. She could see patterns and she went on to completely change the, um, the uh, cattle industry. On, on how they dunk them and how they take them to the abattoir because she could feel them. Uh, she even came up with a device that could hug her because a lot of autistic people don't like to be touched. And it was her hug without the physical touch. And she actually went on to university teaching people about autism and completely broke the bubble of what it was meant to be all about. If you haven't I've, seen it, I highly recommend I it. I haven't seen the movie, but I oh, do I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's, uh, how do you, she's very extravagant yes. dresser. She dresses herself very extravagantly, oh, right? She, 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 she dresses she's got a, like a guy all the time. <laughs> I think it's like, like a real, like a cowgirl, like an old yes. school. Like, no, she's sure, rolling like the dough and everything. Yeah. 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 I remember, I remember that aspect. Mm. I, I saw her a couple of times on, on social media. I highly recommend it. Um, and Clara Danes really does it justice and it I'll changes that, that whole out. perspective. So, and, and, you know, having interviewed a few autistic people who are adults saying like, I've always been autistic, but nobody knew. Mm-hmm. I just thought there was something wrong with me. You know, uh, I couldn't do that, but I could do this very well. Why couldn't they recognize I could do this very well? Why are they telling me off and not doing that? And that's the thing that we've got to understand about autistic people. They're very channeled. They're very channeled in their gifts and what they can do. And that's what you need to nurture. And that's what you need to, to, to praise and allow them to explore. Don't expect them to tick all those other boxes because they don't see those other boxes no. as something that's important. No, they, they don't. Like, no. <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, 
with the with the switch to COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. how we're do, having to adapt to everything. You know, there there's certain things that we're not able to do anymore, and it's really hard to explain to her yeah. why we can't go to the park and play with all the kids, why we can't do this, why why we can't do that. But she's loving it because she's a pajama person. She wants soft. <laughs> soft yes. is very very yes. important to very. her. Uh, we ended up having to buy like three or four hoodies this past year that were all pretty much the same look and material. So she could wear the same thing every day, but we could wash it. Yes. yes. <laughs> but now she's happy just because she gets to wear pajamas and it's one of those things. Well, okay, well it, it, there's no use of making that into a battle. Why? When, yeah. Why? When, yeah. When we don't have to. No. But there, there's some things that we see that she's done or that she does that me and my wife really relate to because we did that as a child or we still see that stuff that way or it really drives home. So there's sometimes when my wife and me are talking, my wife's like, you definitely have some different characteristics that show up on that spectrum. So you never know if they were as strict as diagnosing it, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, almost now when I was a kid, you know, there, I could have possibly, I could possibly be on the spectrum. Yeah, I always think I but am because I completely see life differently to what totally, most people do. <laughs> right? Totally different. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that autistic people are, are rigid, but what they do like is a pattern and a system, and they like to kind of stick to that pattern and system. And maybe that's where the military is was where you thrived, because it is very, very, um, you know, set into to structure, isn't it? And but your ability to see more what was needed from the emotional side of the people rather than the strategic battle side of it it seems to be where your forte is it definitely is it definitely is i was all well i was pretty good at the strategic battle side of this as well but the the personal inner the the personal inner relationships that you built in the military was always something that was 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 something I was strong at. You know, I always, I always considered myself a good leader. I always had, you know, I, I didn't have to be the authoritarian type. Mm-hmm. My guys did what they needed to do because they wanted to do it. Right. And they wanted to work for me. And I, I took care of them. And that's how I've always been. I mean, I still mentor uh, some of my soldiers that I had back in the military or some of the guys that I work with today. Uh, and in the past, you know, I've mentored them. Oh, you need to do this. I, you're, you're not, taking advantage of this program, you need to take advantage of this program, uh, or you can, you know, let me take care of you. Let me, let me show you what we're doing. And I do that also on the coffee side of the house. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) let me not bump my microphone. Hopefully that wasn't too loud on you. No, no, not to worry. Oh yeah, it's 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 whatever you did there, and the way you see things, and the way you were gifted with your daughter is because you could cope with it. You you can see it. You know what to do, and you bring all of that you know uh, ability um, to everything else that you do. So you know, I always think that everything happens for a reason. The whole reason why you had to stay at home, you know, the whole reason um, first with the second pregnancy, and then with the autistic child, and then you know, obviously this is where you're meant to be because you can branch out and do more things, multiple things at the same time. <laughs> multiple things at the same time. You're right. So 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 currently. I do marketing for some local small businesses. I do customer service 
for a really successful online business. And I also have my own small business that I do. And I write for a magazine and take pictures for a magazine. So it's... And a full-time dad. Full-time dad. (laughs) And husband. (laughs) Let's not forget that part. It's way down on the the chain there. The the, the full-time dad, they haven't haven't busted in here yet because they're they're, they're probably hungry for some chicken nuggets here a little bit. (laughs) But that, and this, this fall, I think I'm going to be falling into the role of kindergarten teacher because mm. we're not, we're not going to send my daughter back to school. When no, not yet. No, no. They don't know what they're going to do. And, no, no. And, and very wise because quite honestly, you know, America is going to go through this a hell of a lot longer um, just because of the, the, the pushback against it. And so the lesson that is to be learned from it is going to take longer to be learned. Yep. So, you know, this is where community comes in, isn't it? Like you said, you, you take care of some local businesses. And this is where we, one steps up with the community and where the community steps up for each other. Have you found that? Definitely in some cases. So the, you know, the local business that I'm working with now is, was literally... I didn't even offer the, I didn't even offer the job. Like I didn't even come out and say, Hey, I'll, I'll do your marketing for you. I was, uh, it was our, our family chiropractor. And I was, she was asking me one question one day and then I got up off the table and the, gr- the little girl was getting on the table to get adjusted. And she's, can you do our marketing for us? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> I, yeah. Let's, let's talk. Uh, and so that kind of fell into, you know, like a local support organization, yeah. I guess you would say. Um, but, you know, we, there's not, school was a little bit weird this, this past spring because we were having to do everything online. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were still doing speech therapy over Zoom. And, you know, with a, with a neurotypical child, I'm sure it's extremely difficult to get them to sit in front of a computer for 20 minutes and talk yes. to somebody. Yes. With my daughter, it was difficult, but we did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but community-wise, we're kind of, I'm kind of detached other than those people who are really, really in my, in my small circle. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's the way we have to go right now. I mean, there's other ways of reaching out and supporting. So tell me about the coffee. I mean, I'm a coffee addict. Um, you know, it's, you can't touch my coffee, can't touch my vegetables. <laughs> and occasionally can't touch my scotch, but you know, um, not a teetotaler. I always say I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm somebody's strong cup of black coffee. Nice. It's really important to me. And because I drink it black and because I don't drink sugar, you know, I don't like these acidic type coffees that you get at some, you know, uh, popular coffee places. Um, you know, good, rich, robust, smooth coffee is very important to me. So tell me about your coffee. So luckily, uh, I, I kind of got introduced to the coffee, specialty coffee industry last summer-ish. It was about a year ago now. And what it was, was I was trying to build a website for a company that was actually growing an important coffee in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And I started reaching out to all these small coffee roasters to try their coffee. Cause that would be my customers. Cause I was going to be selling green coffee or building a website to sell green coffee to roasters in the United States. And that didn't exactly work through, but what happened was I fell in love with really, really good coffee that I'd never, I never didn't even know that fresh roasted coffee kind of existed. I just thought you just mm. got your coffee at the grocery store and that was it. 
And I started getting introduced to all these small batch coffee roasters all across the country. Uh, and actually I have one, the, the, the bag hanging up is actually from Chica Bean, which is one of my roasters in Guatemala. And so she sent me that bag to hang on my wall, but <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing. Like I just mm-hmm. I didn't know about it. And so I started tasting and, and getting into different brew methods and finding out so much more about, about coffee. And then I was like, you know what? I think I can build a website to showcase these small batch coffee roasters that I'm, that I was engaging with because there wasn't really anything for the size roasters that I was engaging with. Right. Yes. They've either got the scale. big contract for like Starbucks or this right. or that. Right. Yeah. They're not the small right. independents. Mm-hmm. Right. Not the small guys that are even, uh, let me see if I got anybody on the, I don't have anybody that's super small hang on the wall. So these guys, let me see if we can get it on there. Yeah. Fuzzy, fuzzy what? Uh, fuzzy monkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they literally only roast a bag at a time. That's it. That, that, that's all they can fit in their little roaster is, is mm-hmm. roughly 14 ounces. And after it's roasted, it's about 12. So it's just an amazing process that a lot of the big online uh, marketplaces like mine, they don't mess with those guys because they can't turn over enough right. coffee fast enough. Yeah. So your uh, specialty, specialty coffee place. Very specialty coffee mm-hmm. and very small batch, micro batch is mm-hmm. what, the, what the term technically is. And it's just such a neat experience to engage with these guys uh, and ladies and really focus on, you know, they might only have a cafe that they supply and they supply all their little local community or they might not even be to that point yet to the you know, some of them don't even have bags with logos on it. They're just sti- still sticking it in like a brown paper bag and, and no logo actually on the bag. So it's really neat to get in there and then kind of mentor these roasters on lessons learned that I've learned on website building, on social media marketing, on different techniques on, you know, making YouTube videos or making uh, an Instagram video or just using hashtags. Because some of these guys have, or some of these roasters have, they have another job or they have two yeah. other jobs and they roast on the side in their garage or they've just now switched gears to where they're roasting full time for themselves and they might not have the the ability or the time or the money to engage with, you know, basically a social media marketing coach. And that's what I do. I, I sell their coffee on my website and I help them market their coffee locally. So it's really cool. It's really cool, fun, tasty, very tasty, uh, a thing to be able to do because I've had coffees from places that I've never even, I didn't even know, had coffee or exported coffee and I've got some samples you know I'm like right in the middle of my nope have a frozen moment there hang 10 folks he'll be back in a second we're in a frozen moment we are in retrograde okay he's back vote he's unfrozen awesome (laughs) let me let me fix this hang on just a second 
clean coffee. That is something that we all need, isn't it? Um, coffee, as I said, is very important to me. Good, rich, robust coffee, definitely. And we want to support people that are out there trying to make a living for themselves as the individuals or small groups and not just big conglomerates all the time. I'm back. You good? Right. Yes. Okay. So that's one excellent point is, you know, finding a coffee roaster close to you is very important. Um, if you, unless you're going to my website, but most towns, most large cities will have three or four or at least one small batch coffee roaster. And the really important part about that is, uh, is, is one, you're supporting a local small business. Yes. But typically they actually pay more for their coffee than the big, the big company who's buying Connexes and 40,000 yeah. pounds containers at a time because these small growers all over the world typically get barely enough to support the crop that they grew. Yeah. Let alone support their, 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 their family or their community. And that's one of the things I do when I, when I talk to my roasters, okay, where do you source your coffee from? All right. How responsible are you being with the sourcing to ensure that what they call the farm gate price, which is what that farmer is getting yes. in his hand at the end of the day is a fair Right, fair trade. Yeah. Fair trade. Well, direct trade is mm. is one of the terms, or traceable uh, is one of the the other terms that we look for, because you, you actually have to pay for the fair trade emblem. Oh, okay. So some of the stuff that's marked as fair trade is actually somebody's just paying for it, uh, and doesn't necessarily actually mean that the farmers get a fair price. Mm -hmm. So when a farmer can get $4 for a pound of coffee rather than 86 cents yes. for a pound of coffee. It's a life changing opportunity for that farmer. And it, and it, that farmer is able to reinvest and make better coffee next year and produce better coffee and produce. So it, and then he produces better coffee and he gets a better price for it. Right. So it's very important on multiple levels to support, support those small batch coffee roasters or micro batch coffee roasters. And, you know, you get on Google and type local coffee roaster near me and you'll, you'll get a ton of hits. And if you can find them in a farmer's market or, or that type of venue or a CSA local store that's selling somebody's local coffee. It's an amazing opportunity to spend a few dollars more, but you're going to get better product. Right. And I think way. that's where we're at in life at the present moment, isn't it? You know, if this whole COVID thing has had everybody on pause and it's, it's a good time to review, you know, to, to uh, renew, to redirect and to look at your practices. And one of the things we realized because we're not out shopping all the time, we realized that we rather have better quality at home and less of, uh, you know, good quality and less of the bulk. And that if we really do want good quality, we really are going to have to pay for it. And that if we want everyone to be sustainable in this world, which that equality of sustainability should be there for everyone, every living um, being on this planet, then we should be willing to pay the price for it. And if you want cheap, 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 then you're going to buy from, you know, the big companies that go and get it cheap. And you know that they're gouging people on the other end, right? So they're barely making it. 
pay a few bucks more for something of quality that you know Turtle Down has, is actually supporting the people on the farms and giving them a quality of life. And also understand that you'll enjoy your coffee a lot more because not only does it taste better, not only is it better for you, but you appreciate it more. And I think that not just coffee, anything that you have, cut out the abundance of it and go down to, you know, um, smaller amounts, but better quality and you'll just enjoy it so much more. That's exactly right, Sarah. There's so much, you know, I've I got a box in today and I'll be doing a, a Facebook live uh, after I get off here with you on uh, opening the box of coffee that, that, that just came to me through my subscription. And that coffee was roasted, you know, f- five days ago, four days ago, what it took the post office postal yeah. system here is just all messed up. But, you know, that coffee is still not what they call peak freshness. Usually that's about a week after mm-hmm. roasting is where it's really, really good. But I challenge somebody to go to a grocery store and find a roasted on date, even on a bag of coffee, because typically it's just an expiration date. Right. Yes. It could have been roasted six, nine years, (laughs) years ago. In fact, in some instances, uh, and there's, there's cases of companies buying old coffee, mixing it with kind of new coffee and then repackaging that and selling it because there's no saying that you can't do it. There's no regulation saying you can't do it. So they do it. And now and you're, it's not like it goes bad. It just it loses it, its robustness. Right. It, it loses its flavor. It loses, yeah. loses its aroma. And I can take, unfortunately, I get too much coffee than I can actually drink before it's not fresh yeah. anymore. And this is the first time in my life when I started doing this that I could be like, okay, that coffee isn't fresh anymore because of it didn't smell as good as it did or the flavor doesn't stick with you as long. And that's one of the things that I'm noticing now because uh, I bought some grocery store coffee the other day because I wanted to try a different brand and it's good coffee. It's wonderful coffee, but it doesn't last right. as long. Like yeah. the flavors just don't stay with you. Like, I mean, this, this was roasted last week that I'm having right now and it's this year's crop. I mean, you don't get any fresher Mm. than that. And it's just an amazing thing to be able to say, okay, I'm going to pay $2 more for a bag of coffee and know that that $2 is going to trickle down Mm -hmm. to get to the farmer. Uh, In fact, if you you go on my website and you find Chicka Bean, which is from Guatemala, that's the farmer. That's a, a group of women farmers that are growing the coffee are roasting the coffee and they've worked out a special deal with UPS to ship coffee directly to the consumer from Guatemala. And I can actually get a bag of coffee from Guatemala to somebody in New York or Oregon for cheaper than I can get a bag of coffee from Houston to Oregon. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. I need to see if I can get you some in Canada. I, I'll, <gasps> I <would love> that. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to Abigail and see what their deal is and see see what that thing is because you know it, it cost me like 20 bucks to send a bag of coffee to Canada it's I, crazy yeah, yeah I know and and the thing is is you know I, I I drink a bodum of coffee a day and I'm finding with the particular coffee I have right now that kind of by that second cup I start feeling a little nauseous 
and oh, no. it's like and it's like uh-uh hang on what's happening here you know i i love my coffee and then it's like mm, okay maybe time to change coffee <laughs> so could possibly be then yeah. and there's tons y'all actually have a wonderful uh small batch coffee culture is what I call it. A small batch coffee culture in Canada where mm. there y'all have a, amazing roasters all over the country. Yes. Uh, and I've even I, and I'm on Vancouver Island and we've got a few over here that are really, really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is people laughing, Oh, it's just coffee. Well, you know, do you drink your beer that way? Do you drink your wine that way? You have your favorite wine, your favorite beer. You will pay more for it because you love it more. You know, because of the way it tastes or, you know, everything about it and especially wine uh, or brandy or anything else that oh, needs yeah. to, to, to be aged, right? It's like, you know, when you're sipping a good glass of wine, you know, again, that robust taste, uh, um, n- none of the additives in it. And, and actually the, the tip, the yellowtail is the only wine that I know of right now uh, in, a, in a good price bracket that is vegan. And the reason I point that out is because it doesn't have all those other additives. And I didn't know they actually added fish oil in certain wines, which is like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and no wonder I get a headache from that. So <laughs> yeah, that, that, doesn't even, that doesn't even sound good. But no. <laughs> but now, I'm not a wine guy. I am a beer guy. And that's right. what I really relate to. And I've tried the scotch. I've, I actually had a, a, a guy on uh, a couple months ago that was talking about and that you can't call it American scotch. So it's American single malt whiskey mm-hmm. uh, and, and talked about that culture. And I've always wanted to get into it. So I buy a bottle here and there. Uh, but I love craft beer. And mm-hmm. that's what coffee really relates to. Mm-hmm. It's because, you know, 15, even 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't think about paying 12 or 13 bucks for a six pack of beer. Right. It just <laughs> blow people's minds exactly. that, that you're paying that much for beer. And now you go to the grocery store and 12 or $13 six packs or single bottles even is not unheard of. No. And in fact, it's actually quite popular. And I would love to see if that, kind of transferred over to coffee to Mm -hmm. where people are like, okay, there's only 40,000 pounds of this coffee produced annually from this one farm. And now that roaster, there's only a hundred roasters in the country that are getting that coffee. And it tastes like, it tastes like blueberry and graham cracker and caramel. And you're not even having to do anything to it. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a, a, an awesome experience to be able to get up in the morning and have something that delicious and enriching, that good. That enriching. You know, it's something that as you drink it, it's, it's not just like to wake you up or get you engaged because that is something you can do by other practices. But it's just something about drinking that coffee. And it's like the, ah, you know and the robust taste and the way it feels and the way it goes down it's just something about it that is so engaging and it's the same with you having your beer at the end of the day mm-hmm. it's coffee in the morning for me and it was funny when i was in taiwan they had these funny little um, caravan type uh, trucks around where they were selling coffee and um i had one and i thought oh my god this coffee is so good normally i stopped drinking coffee by one two o'clock in the day because if I drink it any later I'm awake at night over there I was drinking coffee before going to bed and still sleeping and the taste was magnificent I have no idea 
where they got their coffee from. But it was spectacular. And, you know, in, in North America, we're inclined to go for a commercial uh, mm -hmm. rather than going for quality. And, and I think this is, I think the word quality in every aspect of our lives is actually on the table right now. Quality of family time. You know, people now working at home instead of going to work. Quality of the work that you do. It's not the amount of hours. It's what you put into the mm -hmm. hours that you are working. Quality into your marketing instead of blah, 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 blah. You know, be poignant, be, be personable, be invitational. You know, everything about what we're looking at right now, let's simplify and let's put out the quality and stop looking at the mass because the mass is what's got us into trouble in many ways. <laughs> it definitely has. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Um, you know, redirects are wonderful because we never know, you know, where they're going to come from. You know, if, go back a few years, you're coming out, you're going to school to be a history teacher and look where you are now. Yet you're allowed, you know, through the journey that you're willing to take and adaptation and adopting uh, different platforms, you're able to have that time with your children and with your wife, which is wonderful quality time. And you're able to be probably more personable with the people that you work with because you're not in transit going to work and you were willing to kind of redirect. So many people don't know how to redirect. Well, no, no, I've paid to go to school. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What you learned there, you will apply over here, but be willing to be flexible and go with the wind because that's what the journey is all about. It definitely is. And, and being flexible and op, one of those things is being able to see an opportunity when it comes up and seeing what you can do to engage with that opportunity to make it, you know, make it better. And, and one of those I'll bring up is the, uh, the customer service job yes. that, that I was able to, to get. I had engaged with that company before I knew the owner, you know, we'd went through some of the same training together in classes and I saw him post on social media. He was looking for uh, a consumer, uh, basically a, a customer sales rep is basically what he was looking for or, or a customer service rep. And I saw him post, I immediately messaged him. I was like, Hey man, I'll do it. And he said, well, he goes, I can't afford you. I said, talk it over, you know, see what's going on, you know, on your end and make make me an offer and we'll we'll talk about it i mean that's all you can do you know you Go know what there. you know what i you know about what i make what i was making before but you, you never know and that was about two weeks before covid mm -hmm. before the lockdown happened hold on <laughs> we have an entrance here no we're, we're just I, I heard somebody say something i was like which which who needs what uh, chicken nuggets yeah, they're, they're fixing to start coming in here ch chanting here in a second with their utensils like they'd like to do that but you know that was about two weeks before covid started we the girls were on spring break which is when they they didn't go back right. from spring break and you know i went in and i knew all of his systems already because that's the systems that i was involved right. with and knew already i knew how to yeah. run his entire website in the back end i knew how to run the shipping and it it just fell into a spot to where if yeah. i would have been like meh i don't i don't need that well it's another stream of income yes it's building you know we're building right now we've added jobs at mm -hmm. in his because uh, we, we've shipped about 12,000 packages since March Wow! and just not with coffee. I wish it was coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that will come. <laughs> that, that, will, that will come. But you know, we, we've shipped all that engaged and grown our 
customer base just because of what we sell and, and the opportunities that have arise. And if I wouldn't have been said, Excellent. Hey, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't have that position going forward and who knows, you know, a year from now, now I might have a team of customer service reps under me right? and, and not even be answering the emails like I am doing. Right. So, uh, and that was a really good opportunity because he knows I have the yeah. coffee business. He buys coffee from me. And so he knows, <laughs> Hey, uh, do you have time to do this with all your other stuff? You know? And so that was an opportunity that I was able to seize upon and, and really thankful for Ike, uh, you know, giving me that opportunity to grow and see how he's grown his business. So I can mimic some stuff with mine right. and, and help others. So it's pivoting, seizing that opportunity, getting that redirect and really keeping your head up or keeping your chin up and um, uh, approaching it is, is very important. And I like to think that, uh, you know, the veteran identity is, it's not necessarily a, an identity. It's a detail. And I've always been really, uh, mm -hmm. really stressed I think, I think about it. I think it's your, it's, it's your uh, degree, you know? I mean, when you look at all the training that you received, uh, you know, um, and, uh, and how you have applied it to every aspect of your life, you know, that was your training. That was your schooling, right? So it's kind of in many, many ways, it's a degree. You know, all the veterans that I have, I have interviewed, you know, some have come from, traumatic and some have post-traumatic stress uh, some people have literally been burnt and lost limbs but it's all about that redirect of what they can do now and everything they learned being a soldier and everything they've learned since becoming maybe a challenged veteran as one person put it not disabled differently abled which i think mm -hmm. is a much better uh, title and what they're doing now is, you know, is abundant, but it's that willing to be flexible. And, you know, right now with businesses that are going on, there are so many now that are having to redirect to online instead of storefront. And a lot of people just simply, oh, well, you know, I'm not getting the business. I can't afford to do this. So we, we need people who will be flexible and say, look, I'll start off slow and the pricing will go up as we grow. Right. And if we're all flexible and that's why I say about community, stepping in, to each other's community and helping because when that person becomes abundant through your help, you become abundant. So for a lot of people that are coaching and, and doing it, you can't go with the same prices that you did before because yeah. people aren't making that. So be flexible, be supportive and grow with them. Make that kind of deal. It, it, that's definitely a, an, an awesome point that you, you made about being flexible and looking at, at different opportunities and, and what we have to do now at the different scale. Uh, I was, I was helping out one guy on, you know, I don't have time to take another, you know, I'd love to take some more, uh, advertising clients, but I just don't have the time. So I was like, Hey, just call me, just, just call me and let me look what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him for about an hour and we, you know, helped him make a decision on who he was actually going with and the, and that path he was taking. But there was no reason for me to say, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll consult you for yeah. six, 600 bucks, right? you know, or, or, or a hundred bucks for that hour. I had the time I needed to help yeah. him. He's a fellow veteran. And I think a lot of people would, would do a lot better, yeah. not necessarily giving services away, but if you don't need that 
yeah. aspect. If you're okay, if you're, if you're making those, those ends meet, help somebody out. Yes. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, brotherhood, sisterhood, familyhood, it's about there. You know, the village is only as strong as everybody in it and everybody has a role to play. And so we have to understand, especially in these times, that it's time to step up. And if you've got the time and you've got the ability to help someone, I mean, I'm here to support the coaches, support the people in the work that they're doing, that they're supporting others. When I'm, you know, a coach myself, and very often I'll find myself stepping into the coaching role. I don't question it. It's just what I'm meant to do right now, right? If that person benefits from it financially, then maybe they'll remember me, right? <laughs> and if they don't, so be it, may they pay it forward, right? That's the whole point. But the more we're willing to give, the more we're willing to share, I think is the more that we will receive, total agreement with you, Sarah. <laughs> I love the journeys, uh, you know, the, everything that you've done, you know, and I think that if your adaptability to be able to uh, adjust to a new situation, to be able to see things differently, um, clearly coming from the heart. And, you know, in all the business shows that I do, one of the things that has become extremely evident, thank God, thank God, it's the fact it. It's now being coached to businesses, organizations, big industries. Where's your heart and soul? Where's your heart and soul in this business? Because if I don't see your heart in it, if I don't see your soul in it, if I don't see your commitment to it, why should I work with you? Because all you are then is a dollar sign. And mm -hmm. if you're a dollar sign, I'm not interested. I'm going to somebody who has some heart and soul in it that treats their colleagues or their workers, their, their customers, you know, with with a sense of dignity and passion and conviction. And that is what we're looking at right now. That is the shift that we're seeing. Uh, rep, you know, why should I do business with you? If I don't like you, I'm not going to do business with you. Right. If I believe in your heart and soul and what you're doing and why you're doing it, I want to do business with you. So in whatever we do today, it's not about the bottom dollar, what is in it for me. It's about as much as that we shed light on other people and support other people, the more it will come back to us in whichever way, in whichever opportunity. Definitely. Much better times, isn't it? It's more yes, exciting these is. times. I, I would rather connect with somebody and spend my money with them because I connect with them. Yes. Then just the random, you know, there's stuff I get on from Amazon. Okay. The phone case, my lights, you know, I'm not going yeah. to connect with those guys. No. But the, the, the stuff that I'm really engaged with uh, and I'm using every day, you know, uh, uh, there's tons of different stuff. There's, I want to make that connection. You mm -hmm. know, I want to be able to go on the website and be like, hey, this guy's cool. Yeah. I like them. I'm going to support them with my dollars and, right. and that's how I'm going to spend, spend my money. And that's really what I've you know, tried to build with Roasters Marketplace mm -hmm. is that sense of community. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Come and join us. Oh well, she's taking off her clothes, so we're not <laughs> we're not getting online. It's, it's runs away. It's my 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 two year old uh, is is definitely one of those ones. She's like, like you you get her completely dressed and you get her hair fixed and you turn around. And you come back and you're like, where are your clothes, Charlie? Well, itchy. It was itchy. It wasn't itchy. It was a bathing suit. Oh, you got an ice cream. That's awesome. Where'd you get the ice cream? 
it looks like a ball. But I think I think that's my time, actually. Yeah. Yes, yep. I think so. So um, let everybody know how they can get hold of you if they're interested in the in the marketing, if they're interested in anything else that you do, but most certainly interested in the coffee. So how do people get hold of you? Definitely, Sarah. You can find me at roastersmarketplace.com. You can find me on social media uh, under any anything on there on Roasters Marketplace. You can find me Roasters Marketplace on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. I'm Roasters Marketplace, Roasters underscore Marketplace on Instagram. I think I sent you all my links that where they can find me. I also do the Common Grounds podcast on YouTube. You can find me Common Grounds podcast. You'll see my face on there. Uh, we actually have a live show tonight where we're interviewing one of our coffee roasters mm. and you can find me on the Roasters Marketplace YouTube channel, which we just launched a couple weeks ago. That is more coffee centric to where we're talking about coffee tasting notes and brewing methods and that kind of stuff. But uh, Chris at RoastersMarketplace.com if you want to send me an email or message me on Facebook or Instagram. Excellent. I highly recommend you get on LinkedIn as well. I, think I am. I, oh, I'm you on LinkedIn. Chris, oh. Chris Greenfield on, on LinkedIn and Roasters Marketplace LLC on LinkedIn. Excellent. And, uh, you know, the thing is about your, your social media and everything else, what people need to understand, it's not just about posting something and forgetting. It's about engagement. It's about conversation and it's about uh, sharing and it's about um, it really caring. So it's not just a posting thing. It is a, a, treat it as a network, treat it as a community, and make sure that you follow other people and like, make comments, because it is a conversation platform. It is. It is. Right. It is such so much more of a challenge. And I am now being paged by Daddy Kamir. So Sarah, <laughs> thank you. And shoot me an email with that information that you need from me. I will do. I will do. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Have a thank great day. You too. Bye-bye. That was a wonderful show with Chris Greenfield about um, coffee and about veteranism, about autism, about marketing. So much that we have covered here today. So very inspirational about our redirects in life and going with the flow. So until next time, folks, bye for now. We hope you enjoyed the show. We look forward to bringing you more shows. Please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com slash shows and you will see the incredible lineup of genres and shows that we have for you. We are here to make a difference in your life. Thank you for listening.